Welcome to They've Got Hope with Father Dave and Deacon Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy world. And I'm Deacon Bob. And I'm Father Dave. we got to figure out where each other is. I know, right? We have very different backgrounds today. Your background actually looks, dare I say, presidential. Right. So if you are watching, you realize that I'm in my office. And I think this is actually the first time we've recorded from my office. It might be. If we did, it was a long, long time ago. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, And you have a lovely window that looks out into... It's the best view on uh, campus. Yeah. It really is the best view on campus. Do you have a lot yeah. of people like waving at you or is there like, yeah, no, it's funny. It like it's, a two-way mirror? It's funny because a lot of kids don't even know that you just kind of walk by and you're not necessarily paying attention. So right. when they do realize who it is, um, yeah, it's funny. They get very excited. Yeah, and my cool. nephew was just here just a second ago knocking on the window. Yeah. <laughs> Some would say that he's coming by to say hi, but he's actually coming by to get an espresso. So I, I yeah. know where I stand. I know where I stand. Yeah. Oh, do you, you have an espresso look, machine in your uh, president's office there? I do. I do. Yeah. Classy. Yeah, you look like you're in California. Am I right? You're absolutely right. Yeah. I do have that California feeling yeah. uh, on such a pretty day. Good. And so what uh, takes I'm you in Orange. Okay. Well, I'm doing a Steubenville Parish mission at Holy Family Parish here in Orange, California. Uh, by the time you'll hear this, it'll be done. But yeah. it's been going awesome. Uh, these parish missions, I know we've talked about them on the podcast before. What a gift. Uh, the Spirit really moves. Um, it's just a it's just a great outreach that Franciscan's doing, and looks like it's just taken off more and more. So it's really um, it's a blessing to be a part of it. You know, as somebody that does parish missions on my own, um, being a part of like a team and having, you know, John Paul Von Arx is with me doing music and just all the organization that the conference office does. It's, it's just fantastic. So, yeah, I know when I was get... doing, when I was traveling full time, um, doing that type of thing, I always, I always enjoyed, uh, the parish missions to have a congregation, you know, for all the masses, I would always preach at yeah. that. And then, uh, for three nights in a row, sometimes four. Yeah. Lord just does a really great work in that time. So that's cool. Yeah, so I'm excited. Cool. I've got a couple more coming up. I've got one in Staten Island. Uh, I'm doing one in Darien, Illinois, which is very near my hometown of Hinsdale. So uh, yeah, Lent's a great. I can't get to do much because uh, of teaching schedule, but the ones I can sneak in are always a gift. It's uh, there's just a there's just a grace of this time of Lent as we're starting it today. Today being Ash Wednesday, uh, that's very special. It really draws one towards conversion. But let's talk about that later in the podcast. Right, right, we, we, right, we buried the lead. Um, we buried lot, the lead. Not a lot to talk about sports. W, the uh, NBA had their all-star game, which is a joke. Um, which is the, awesome. Which is a joke. The only real... It's fantastic. Sem, it's awful. Semi Why would you normal, say such things? Because it's not even a game. They play like two minutes. It's, it's, it's basically... It's not a game. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not a game. You're absolutely right. It's, I agree but it's that. like, it's so it's fun to see it's those players... On it's the like, same court. No, it's stupid. No, it no, is a game, and this is how it's a game. This is why it it's cool. No, 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 no. No, you're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. I love you, and as a brother in Christ, but you're wrong. So it's a this is what's contest. fun about the NBA it's All-Star a game. Contest. It's like guys going on the court after school. Like they even do this thing now where the captains pick the team right beforehand. So it used to be like East versus West. Now it's just you have two captains. They pick mm-hmm. – players which is fun and then they they just play ball and have a great time no, it's like don't. the no. love is for the love of the game they have fun no, it's it's basically like a, a layup contest until the last 30 no. seconds no the only no. the only no. all-star game that has any sense of a real game is, now, me, is it going to be baseball 
Oh my gosh. Why is baseball any better than any other all-star game? Because it's a game. That's actually a normal game. Like you, it's not even a game to begin with. It's not like what what did they score? One hundred and eighty points in the NBA championship. You here's the point. Did you watch it? When's the last time somebody got injured in baseball? Did you watch it? The NBA All Star Game? No, I was preaching Jesus, but I I would have watched it if I didn't have a higher priority of Jesus. No, it's because I was preaching Jesus. Who won? Preaching Jesus. Jesus. Jesus won. That's what I I talked about. His victory over sin and death on the cross. You don't even know. And Tatum scored fifty-five points and won the All Star Award. Boom. LeBron's team won, as always. Boom. Boom! It didn't, as always. His oh, guess what? I'm going to see LeBron, dude. Dude, this happened. Somebody's taking me to a Lakers game tomorrow. I know. I'm so excited. That'll be. But fun. maybe our listeners don't know that. And because um, okay. I guess yeah, Orange is near LA, and I just mentioned I always wanted. To, and somebody's like, I got tickets, and I'm going, and it's like, Ooh, and I got my cool. LeBron All Star jersey because I went to the All Star game last year because it was awesome. All right, I think we should move on from this topic. People okay, are hitting so- the 30 second forward. We Pretty went quick. to. Are there um, any are there any all star games that are worth it though? Yes, like, isn't uh, that just the nature of all star games? No, baseball. Other is. than baseball, no. So um, tell me about okay. baseball. Like, honestly, no, why is baseball did. better? I just did because it's. I actually didn't listen. I was just too. I just had too much anxiety about it. Can you? Because, I'm now actually receptive. Because to you it's as a real a game. You are because it's because it's a real game. It's like a normal game. Now let's get on to the things that actually matter. So Bob and I okay. go to a movie on Friday night. So uh, we're going. We're going to Ant Man. So I asked one of the yes. friars who I knew really the latest Ant Man movie, Quantumania. By the way, okay. Ant Man and the Wasp. Okay, Quantumania. Okay, but for the record, I didn't know what the name of the movie was, and that's important here. So I'm just going <laughs> to. I'm, I'm going to uh, the movie, and I know one of the friars, Father Rufino, was really excited. And he wanted to go this, and Bob said, "I got an extra ticket." So I said to Father Rufino, "I said, do you want to go to Ant Man?" He's like, uh, "Yeah, you know, I want to go to Ant Man." So he's all excited. So we're driving there, and um, he's talking about how much he loved Ant-Man and the movies and this, that, and the other. And I said, you know, I liked the first one a lot. The second one was okay, but it just was so dumb. When they go into that quantum realm, that's just so stupid. (laughs) And Father Rufino goes, "Uh uh-oh. I go, what? He said, the whole movie takes place in the quantum realm. It was so bad. You were were in for it. It No, it wasn't bad. You enjoyed it. You actually thought the whole movie was awful? Yeah, I, I didn't think it was very good at all. And and here's what I okay. said to Father <laughs> Rafino, and I think it's true. I said, I believe, no, I was telling my mom, I said, I think Father or Father Rafino and Bob wanted to really like the movie, but if they were honest, no. they didn't think it was that good. No, Ant-Man. that's not true. That's it not is, true. It is for Father Rafino. Ant Man is like the all star NBA game of the movie. It is awesome. I think you didn't want to like it. I think it's the opposite. I think you went in being like quantum realm and you weren't able just to embrace the absurdity of the movie, which by the way, I think it was a good movie, not a great movie. Yeah. So I would, but, but I actually think all the Ant-Man movies and a lot of it's just because I think Paul Rudd pulls it off so well. Um, they're, they're a little quirky. They're kind of light, but I, I dig them. I, I like the whole arc of the character. I like Evangeline Lilly. I thought she could have had a bigger part in it. I like the father-daughter vibe. Um, and I think it's cool how it's really set up this next phase of the Marvel Universe for Kang the Conqueror mm. to uh, be a major villain. Did you watch the Loki miniseries? Yeah, no. Okay, you should watch that. It's actually really good. And that also sets up the Kang stuff. Yeah. 
I'll get right on that. Yeah, it's just, after you watch Mandalorian season three, which is coming out. Well, almost I, immediately. like I said to I Father Rafino, I said to her father, why couldn't it just take place on Earth? Why do they have to go to that quantum realm thing? It's just. <sighs> They're trying to do something different. They're just trying to do something different, just like we do here at They That Hope. We bring hope into a depressing world. Yeah, something different. That's that's for sure. That's for darn sure. So anyway, yeah. so I guess that's the other thing. That, the other thing that's going on is, all right, so obviously we shot down that balloon in China about maybe 10 days ago. And yeah, now, so we bas- now basically I think we're shooting down anything that flies over. So <laughs> uh, I think we've shot down like five things. So I saw this meme yesterday. It was really funny. It was the Goodyear blimp and it said on it, don't shoot me. So yeah, <laughs> we're, just, we're shooting a lot of stuff down right now. Yeah, that's totally great. So anyway, anyway, that's good. Anyway, hey, should I do the Franciscan promo now or should we yeah. do it after the next segment? Because it might, should I do it now? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cue the music. Today is Ash Wednesday, which means it's officially Lent. Maybe you love Lent, like Father Dave, or maybe you dread it, like Deacon Bob. But God has a beautiful invitation for each of us as we start this new season. He invites us to return to Him with our whole heart. Come back to me. Nice, nice. With all your heart. But how do we do this? What does bringing our whole heart look like? Father Dave talks more about this in a new video released today. In the video, Father Dave looks at the Mass readings for Ash Wednesday and talks about how we can bring everything before God this Lent. You can watch Father Dave's Lenten video at franciscan.edu slash Ash Wednesday. That's franciscan.edu slash Ash Wednesday. Yeah, we'll probably we'll probably put it on Instagram, my Instagram page, University Instagram page. No, it's just like I is as we've talked about, I really there's something about Lent that I just really appreciate and mm-hmm. just was reflecting on the scriptures and yeah, the very beginning of the reading is just that idea of giving your heart to the Lord. And, and in many ways I think what I talk about is that's at the heart of Lent, right? No pun intended, is is that is this desire to Step away from busyness a little bit and just focus. So that's really our hope and our prayer for Lent, of which we'll talk a little bit during the last section. I will say something, though, Bob. It's just, and obviously you're out in California. Um, the the bishop that was was killed out there, and just I, uh, I came, started coming across the news. Is it maybe Sunday night? Maybe is that when it happened? Yeah, I think so. Sunday. Yeah, I just, think it. I remember reading it, it like Saturday or Sunday. Yeah, yeah. just, just yeah. off. Oh. Did you know Bishop? Had you ever met him? No, have you met him? I hadn't. Uh, David O'Connell, is that his name? Bishop David O'Connell? I believe that was his name. From Ireland, yeah. And obviously from Los Angeles, so it's where you are. Um, but it's, I mean, it's really sad. Apparently he was, uh, you know, the person that was arrested was the husband of his housekeeper. And it's just, I don't know, it just broke my heart. And, you know, I just, yeah. the people, the the, the prisoners out there, the people that knew him, he was apparently very well connected. He lived in a poor area, kind of not of a very safe mm-hmm. area. And just the local people, everybody seemed to know him. And, you know, the, the Holy Father asked us to, you know, the the priest, the bishop should smell like his sheep. And, and everybody said that he was always accessible. He was around. People saw him just walking yeah. down the street. So it was just, it was just awful, really awful. I don't know why. I mean, yeah. 
apparently it's the first bishop that's ever been killed in the United States. I, I think that's what I read. I mean, there, there have been priests, obviously, who wow. were murdered before. Um, but I think right. they said it's the first bishop who's ever been murdered. Oh, gosh. And our prayers for all those who loved him and knew him. And yeah, yeah. you just you just feel it as the body of the church. Like, you're right. Like, it certainly, at least in my lifetime, I've never heard of, of such a thing. And But, you know, I've also just been noticing, generally speaking, like, is, is it me or is the world just getting more violent? Like, it mm. always feels like every news story is three people shot here, seven people shot here, ten people shot here. And, I mean, you know, the... The knee jerk sometimes is just to go into an argument of gun rights and gun control. And not that that probably doesn't have some value on some level, but I think so often we just, it just the, the anguish, the pain of those losing loved ones, the fear, uh, the anguish of people who feel like they're just going to start pulling the trigger. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we really, we really do have a mental health crisis. Yes, absolutely. You know, we talk about it with young people, but it's really just all over the place. And I don't know if it's a, a post-COVID thing or what's going on, but um, it's just heartbreaking to see people in despair. Uh, suicide rates are up. I mean, we're only bringing this up because our podcast is They That Hope, right? And, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast was to try to speak hope into difficult situations like this. And I don't know. I mean, Father Dave, what are some of your reflections or thoughts as well, it, you we know, just get bombarded it, by these messages and tragic stories? Yeah, it's, yeah, the older I get, right? And uh, you just understand, even today at Mass Day, Father Jonathan was preaching about trusting in Jesus and, and the necessity to do that. And I preached on this about 10 days ago, the same kind of theme about being able to trust in Jesus. And I asked everybody to say, I said, repeat after me, Jesus, I don't trust you. And, and everybody kind of laughed. But but the reality is, is, I think that is at the heart of the question. And the issue is, do we really trust Jesus? And the question comes in, well, what does it mean to trust him? And I think if we're honest, yeah. and there's a connection to hope, if we're honest, we trust Jesus if we do what we want him to do. And the same thing with hope. Like, I hope in the Lord if he does what we want him to do. And the reality is, is what, what I eventually said is, is I trust that Jesus is who he says he is, right? And yeah. and the older I get, the more I realize, Bob, and I'm sure you know this to be true, life is just difficult, you know? we uh, yeah. One of the TOR sisters just passed away last night. I don't know if you heard yet, but Sister Therese uh, Reyes passed away last night. Oh, 30, no, I, 39 no. years old. She was the first to our sister in our community who's passed. She's 39. And just in the friars, you know, we've spent a lot of time over the years with the sisters. Just a, a sadness about that. And, and you know, I visited, was able to visit with Dave and Amber Van Bickle and their family on, on Saturday and just have mass with them. And it's just, you know, Amber's in hospice. And it's just, it's just, but, but the reality is, is, is Bob, there's never a time that that's not the case. You know, there's never a time that there isn't difficulty and struggle and pain. And maybe it does go in seasons. It feels like sometimes are worse than others. Maybe this is one of them. Maybe the news is focusing, but you know, there's always been, always been difficulty, always been suffering and there's always been need for hope. And that's really what we want to try to remind us in the midst of it all, who is the Lord that he is the Lord who loves us. He's going to be present to us. Uh, He's going to heal our broken heart. Um, but that doesn't yeah. mean some difficult things aren't going to happen. 
And I think the idea of presence is so important, you know, even just here in our mission, one of the neat things that um, they do is um, we always have witnesses from the parish speak. And, you know, that's important because so many times you can just kind of go in and out of a parish and they hear, you know, somebody from out of town talk about how God changed their life. And that's very nice. But like drawing out people from the community to share about how God changed their life becomes more real because these are the people next to them in the pew. And in our opening night, we had a talk of somebody, uh, you know, who they had a very difficult pregnancy and it looked as though everything wasn't going to happen, but they stayed faithful and the baby came out and eventually was healthy and is living and is great. And then the next night we had a very similar story except the baby only lived for two hours. Mm -hmm. And the person gave a witness though, about how Jesus was present in that whole time. And when we talk about God being faithful and faithful to his promises, his promise was that he would be with us always. And I think sometimes we hear God is faithful and we think, and that means he's going to take care of everything the way I think it should be taken care of. And the reality is God is faithful in that he he never abandons us even in the really, really difficult times of our life. And he can bring about redemption and peace. You know, this this man, I mean, I, I couldn't believe he was saying it without bawling, but just mm-hmm. talked about the blessings of having that child for two hours mm-hmm. and what that child taught him and his wife and the community of people who were praying for him and what a gift this life was, you know, as opposed to, as I think many of us would, and I'd be tempted to just being angry at my expectation of why, Lord, why, Sure. Because he was so rooted in the Lord, it it draw it drew him closer to God. It drew him closer to his wife. It, it drew the community together, and that's about the faithfulness of God, right? And I think just remembering that, like, there's great stories of miracles. You know, we've our community's been praying for uh, one of our faculty members, Becca Rook, uh, who was diagnosed with cancer and has been through a long and difficult process of treatments and chemo, and just got the news that they don't find any more cancer in her, which is awesome and praise God. And then you have other stories of prayers that seem to be unanswered or at least aren't answered in the way we desire. And it's finding Christ in the midst of that, um, that can be very profound. Right. And, you know, Jesus, Jesus weeps with us. He wants right, to weep with right. us and rejoice with us. Right. And in many ways, that's, that's what Lent is about. It's this journey that's ultimately, we all you know, we all know what we're going to have to go through before we get to, the, you know, the climax of the season on Easter Sunday. Right. But yeah. we, we, we're not going to get there without walking through Lent and without walking through this desert and walking through ultimately Good Friday. And, and I remind people that not only does Jesus not say it's everything's going to always be wonderful. In fact, he says it's very straightforward. You know, there will be difficulty in the world. You will have trouble. You will be persecuted. Yeah. You will be hated. You will suffer all in account. Right. And again, I think one of the greatest deceptions of the evil one is is to try to make us think that that shouldn't happen. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, and if we believe that every inconvenience or every bad thing or every suffering, quote unquote, shouldn't have happened, well, then we begin to doubt God and his faithfulness and his goodness. But if we realize that part of the human condition is suffering and it's a cross and it's a pain and it's sin and it's people do horrible things to other people. Um, it, it, it allows us the possibility of finding God in the middle of that, that it's not just, um, 
useless or sense. I mean, yes, it's senseless, of course, but but that doesn't mean that God's void of that circumstance or that situation. Right. Yeah. And and you're right. I think that is a beautiful part of the season that we take a look at that, you know, and that for all the suffering that we go through, that Jesus went through that suffering. I mean, that's also this idea of Lent. And I think it's a nice lead into our reflection on um, the gospel reading for this weekend, that we have a God who became flesh so he could suffer with us. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't suffer like that without the flesh. And uh, how amazing it is that we have a God who loves us so much that he went in and bore the very thing that we try to avoid, you know, which is suffering, which is temptation, even death itself. Um, but with him comes resurrection. And that's, I think, the real hope. And the yeah, message and I think, that's, I think that's important to, to bear in mind is that there was a time when I thought we suffered because Jesus suffered, right? Jesus goes to the cross. He suffered, so we're going to have to suffer. It's quite the opposite is that he suffered yeah. because because we do, right? That he takes upon himself the suffering of us all, right? And begins and, and makes that um, transformation, that, that conversion, that metanoia, that it's, it's not just merely something that needs to be escaped. In fact, it's something that can be embraced. And in embracing yeah. the cross, it gives life to our, ourselves and those around us. So that's what the season. Yeah. So I'm yeah. supposed to read the gospel, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, let's begin. So as we mentioned okay. before, part of what Father Dave and I are going to do during Lent is just reflect on the upcoming Sunday readings. So uh, no, what you're about to hear the is the gospel. Okay, so it's not Well, I think we're going to read the gospel. We're going to read the gospel, but I think we can talk about the readings and the reflection okay. of it. I don't know if everybody okay. wants to hear the entire liturgy of the word, but at the very least, uh, we'll read the gospel and talk about the theme of each Perfect. Sunday as it's proposed to us. And Father Dave is going to read the gospel for the first Sunday Perfect. of Lent. Good. And uh, for those of you, uh, maybe just as we get started on this, I, what we're suggesting is that you dive into the word as well, that um, mm -hmm. the vast majority, the reality is the vast majority of Catholics, I would say, I don't know what percentage, um, don't look at the scriptures before they go into mass. And I would suggest that if you made one small change in your Lent, and that was you would read the scriptures before you go to Mass, you would get something more out of the liturgy. One of the things I, I always joked when I was at the parish was to read the scriptures and say, if I was going to give the homily, what would I talk about? You know, what is it that resonates in me? What is it that kind of stirs in me? Because I think the most effective homily, honestly, is something that stirs in me. So if it's if it's stirring in me and I can preach from a place of, all right, the Lord is working, right? He's, he's moving in this. I think that that the congregation experiences that more. So if you're following along, um, the gospel this, this week is taken from the gospel of Matthew. It's verse four, excuse me, chapter four, verses one to 11. At that time, Jesus was led by the spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was hungry. The tempter approached and said to him, if you are the son of man, the son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. He said to him in reply, It is written, One does not live on bread alone, but on the very word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and made him stand in the parapet of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, 
and their hands will support you lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the devil took him up on a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their magnificence. And he said to them, All of these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. At this Jesus said to him, Get away from me, Satan, for it is written, The Lord your God shall you worship, and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. The Gospel of the Lord. So what I... Praise Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of things just that that first really just speak to my heart. Um, And it's actually at the very, very beginning of the Gospel, and it says... Uh, At that time, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. One of the things that I love about that is that that the rest of this story is framed in the fact that the Spirit is leading. Um, And that's our invitation as we begin this Lent. Lord, send your Holy Spirit and lead us during this Lent. And what does the the Holy Spirit do? It leads him to the desert. And that's exactly what's taking place. Lent is this this time of a desert and entering into the desert. It's interesting in, in Luke, at this text, it says the spirit drove Jesus to the desert. I like that image because it's not just yeah he led him, blah, 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 almost, but he's just pushing him, right? He's just driving him to the desert because bear in mind, and you've been to the Holy Land, um, Bob, the desert, especially then, is a crazy, difficult um not safe, dangerous place. And also, if you pay attention to the scriptures, so oftentimes in the Old Testament, the desert is the place where everything bad happened, right? They would send the Lamb of God into the desert, right? And in, in, the, in the desert. So good things, wonderful things happen on the mountain. Bad things happen in the desert. So the, the Spirit leads Jesus to the desert. And again, that's all of our story, is, is this, this desert that each one of us experiences, the Spirit wants to be able to lead us there. So it's not he's he sent him to the desert on his own saying, I hope it works out. But the Spirit leads Jesus and takes him there. And there's something about knowing that it's the Spirit leading that makes it more possible, yeah. right? You know, if I know that this is what the Spirit is leading, if I know this is where the Lord has me, um, then then that's it's more, more bearable, right? The other thing that I thought was really beautiful was um, when we take a look, particularly in the first two, two temptations. The tempter says, if you are the son of God, kind of putting in this doubt, right? If you are, and just kind of playing with that. But I love the way Jesus responds. He responds very clearly. The evil one saying, if you are, and Jesus says, it is written. And the other one, if you are, Jesus says, it is. So whereas the evil one wants to kind of raise the question, if it's really you, if it's really who you say, and Jesus is clear, it is, it is, I am. So just that sense of the evil one is going to want to, when we're in the desert, it's a place of, of difficulty and struggle. He's going to want us to begin to question the Lord. You know, again, at the very beginning, if, you know, the, the, the evil, Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil by putting in a doubt. Did God really say this confusion? I was just with somebody and we we're just talking about the craziness that's going on in the world right now. And, and she said, hell is just absolute confusion, Right. So the evil one wants to try to confuse. If you do this, if and the word of God, Jesus is absolutely clear. He says, it is written. And then again, he says, again, it is written. You shall not. So just trust, you'll be able to trust in the Lord that, that the spirit is leading us in this time. 
There's a spirit of doubt that wants to come and confuse us, and we just allow the word of the, the word of God to be able to speak clearly to it. So those are a couple of thoughts that went through my mind. Yeah, and, and what's beautiful about that is this idea of in Lent we go into the desert and we really look to maybe strip away some of those distractions, strip away worldly attachments, so that we can more clearly cut through the confusion that the world often gives us, that the tempter often gives us, so that we can hear the voice of God speak to us more clearly. I wanted to reflect on just the context of all the readings. The first reading is the reading of Adam and Eve in the garden being tempted by the devil. And yeah, you notice there's a there's a continuity in the way the devil likes to tempt, which is uh, lying, but always exaggerating, I think. Right. So, for example, the a temptation that the tempter... Yeah, a kernel of truth. So God said to Adam and Eve, you can eat of all the trees in the garden, but of this one don't fruit of knowledge of good and evil. But the devil's temptation was, did God really say you're not supposed to eat of any of the fruit of the trees of the garden? Which, of course, is not what God said. But it's this exaggeration. Like It's almost like, did God really say you should have no fun in life and you should always suffer? It's like, well, wait, I don't think that's that's what he said. And it almost seems as though Eve was a bit confused with this, like wasn't able to go back. No, this is what God said. Like, clearly, this is what God said. He said we could eat of anything, but in the middle. Now, she didn't actually get knowledge of good and evil. She's kind of got it right. Well, I but think we need the other that. trees, but it's this one. Right. She already had the knowledge. And right. I love what the catechism says about the first sin. And it said that it was a lack of trust in God's goodness that the devil said, no, you won't die. In fact, if you eat it, you get to be like God and you'll know everything. And she didn't want to just be below God. She wanted to be like God, as did Adam. Adam was sitting there the whole time uh, listening to what was going on and was just as complicit as Eve was. Mm -hmm. And so we see in the opening of Scripture in this beautiful garden where man and woman have everything they could want, they still want more. Mm -hmm. And they don't trust that God wants what is best for them. And then you fast forward now to a desert where there is Jesus, and he seems to have nothing. And I, I think the most understated line in all of Scripture is, he was in the desert for 40 days without food or drink, and he was hungry. He was hungry. <laughs> it's yeah. like, duh. But, like, I, you know, I get, like, hangry at times if I, like, skip a meal. Like, I can't imagine how hangry I would be after 40 days being in a desert. And I'd almost, like, accept anything at that point. But so we see Jesus allow himself in his humanity to be at like the lowest of the low, difficult, suffering moment. And he does this because he loves us. And what is he rooting it on? The faithfulness of God, the word of God, the, the trust in God, not this stereo. The devil's trying to make it sound like, well, if you're the son of God, you're supposed to do this. And he's like, no. Oh, well, if you're the son of God, you should do this. No. And that's what the devil, well, God, if God is faithful to you, he would do this. Well, maybe not. Well, if God is so loving, then this would never happen. Nope, that's also not true. I don't see that in God's word. And it's really rooting ourselves in the word of God and being faithful to that, trusting that he knows what's best for us, even when things are difficult. Um, I think that's a powerful message. Yeah. You know, the, his, his yes in that desert overcame the no in the garden and that he was willing to suffer for us 
to bring life into the world, maybe face the suffering that we weren't willing to face ourselves uh, and do so in a way that would bring about life. Amen. Amen. And I think that's the, if we're to find a theme for us, and, and I invite everyone listening is what, what is it that the Lord is saying to you? I mean, these are one of the beautiful things about the scripture is this is something that resonates in, in Bob and my heart, but what resonates in, in your heart? And so the invitation is to, to take a minute or two with the scriptures, to read it over and say, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And, and one of the things is just a little exio is to close your eyes and, and imagine the garden or close your eyes and imagine the desert and, and Jesus is there and, and just allow the Lord's grace to lead you. I love again, the Holy Spirit led him. So allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in this time of the desert. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season of Lent and this invitation that you provide each one of us to enter into the desert, believing and being confident that your spirit will lead us, will guide us, you will not abandon us, and that you will watch over and protect us. Bless this journey that we encounter you and discover you in the desert. May the Lord bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Do we Dave. have a song, Bob? Do we have a song at the end? We got a song and we're a thousand dollars away from finishing our goal. This will be the last time we mention it on the podcast. Hopefully next week, I'll just mention that we did it because fundraising ends next week. So this is your last chance to help us out. I wrote a song a couple of years ago called Heart of Jesus. We play it a lot at the student book conferences. Um, and I have a nice voice, but Anna sings it. And oh my goodness, she crushes it. So nice, um, nice. I had her sing it once at a conference, and I'm just like, I think the way she sings it is so gorgeous. So I hope you're blessed by it. Stick around after the little tag here. Thanks to all of you, and we are praying for you in this time of Lent. As always, you can shoot us an email, a prayer request, or just a thought for a topic on the show at hope at franciscan.edu. That's hope at franciscan.edu. God bless.
Oh. 